Well, this past week, as I sat down to begin writing my sermon and preparing for today, uh, I was reminded of how long it's actually been since I gave a teaching up here, and I was curious, and I looked it up, and it's been over three months since I've spoke here. So typically, I'd be a little nervous, thinking, fearful, maybe I lost my mojo, if I ever had any to begin with, um, worried, man, I just don't want to be a disaster, so I got to, you know, just really amp it up today, but honestly, none of that stuff even matters to me, because um, I'm just so excited to be here, and excited to look at just this unique, incredible passage that we're going to dive into today as we examine the life of Jesus, and so my only desire is that your hearts are stirred and challenged by what we're going to look at today, and if you were here Last week, you know that we um, started a new sermon series titled, I Am. And so this fall, we're going to examine several different statements where Jesus says, I am. And then he continues uh, to reveal different aspects about himself to his listeners. And there are uh, four distinct truths that Bob hit on last week um, that are implied when Jesus says, I am. So I just want to go over, there, um, go over those real quick. First off, it implies that God is eternal and unchanging. He's always been and always will be. He's self-sufficient, meaning he's in need of nothing. He is incomparable. Nothing in all of creation is like him. And finally, he is the becoming one, which means that he becomes whatever is lacking in our time of need. And before we continue, it's also important to realize um, how Jesus' I am statements would have just rocked the world of his original Jewish audience. His words were perceived as just simply scandalous to his listeners. To them, only God was the great I am. And so their lack of understanding into who Jesus really was didn't set too well with them. They thought he was actually, you know, um, blaspheming against God. And so at many different points throughout his life, they tried to kill him because they didn't have a proper understanding of his true identity. And so this morning we're going to um, examine Jesus' declaration of, I am the bread of life. So open your Bibles with me to John 6. 25. It should be page uh, 971 if you're using a pew Bible. We're going to read verses 25 through 35. And before we dive into the story, it's important to have some context as to what was going on in and around Jesus uh, during this time. Just a day or so before what we're about to read, Jesus had just performed the miracle of feeding 5,000 people. So thousands of people were following Jesus this one day. He knew they were hungry. And so he takes um, five loaves of bread and two fish and somehow multiplies it into enough food to feed over 5,000 people. So the crowd was obviously astonished and in awe of what had just happened, in awe of just who in the heck this guy was that performed this insane miracle. And most of these people were hungry. So who wouldn't follow a guy that's passing out free, delicious food, right? I know I would. I'd be first in line to partake in what this guy was offering me. So keep that in mind as we continue this story, because that's right where we pick up. So John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Here we go. It says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, 
they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. <clears throat> then they asked him, what must, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you um, sorry, it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now Jesus knows exactly what he's doing in this moment. And he's speaking to them in such a way that they could not miss what he was trying to say. And he does it all by using just a simple image of bread. Because he knew basically everyone in the audience had just ate from the bread that he had multiplied. That was fresh in their minds. He knew that all of them were aware of the story of their ancestors in the desert. And how God brought down bread from heaven so they... So they could eat and they were hungry. They were aware of that story. Jesus knew that all of them were familiar and, um, with how essential bread was to any Jewish Passover meal. So he's finding what connects with them. Um, and he begins to drive home this declaration of, I am the bread of life. Pastor John Piper wrote, this is awesome. Jesus came not to give bread, but to be bread. He came not to give bread, but to be bread. Jesus didn't come to simply meet our natural desires and give us what we long for apart from him. Rather, he came to change our desires so that he alone could be the source of all our joy and satisfaction. But man, how often do we miss that? Why is it so difficult to believe and accept that satisfaction is only found in him alone? And our approach to Jesus, whether we're aware of it or not, can often sound something like this. Maybe not all the time, but often. Hey God, you know, can you give me that warm feeling I had in church last week? I like feeling good. Life's been pretty hard. Can you do that? That'd be great. Or God, life's beating me down right now. A lot of difficult circumstances. It's got some people driving me nuts. Can you just give me a lift? Can you help me out? That would be awesome if you would do that, God. And what we're doing there, we don't even realize is just how narrow-minded we are and just self-focused and how easy it is to completely miss who he is and what he's trying to reveal to us in the midst of what's going on in our lives. Because what Jesus really wants to know is this, and this is the question he's asking you right now. Do you want me? 
do you really want me? Or do you just want what I can provide you? Do you just want some of my benefits and my provision? You just want me to help you in time of need? Or do you want me? All that I am and all that I encompass. This right here, this is a loaf of bread. All of you know that. I'm guessing most of you probably have some of this right now in your home. And if you're like me, when your wife asks you to go to the store to get some bread, I find the aisle, I just look at the expiration date, and then I get out of there. Because I hate shopping, right? I got to get out of there quickly. So I don't look past much more than the expiration date. But if we were to look closely, there's a lot of ingredients in a loaf of bread that most of us probably aren't even aware of. This specific Sara Lee loaf of bread, some of the ingredients are whole wheat flour, water, sugar, yeast, salt, and about 30 other ingredients that I can't pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. But there's a lot that goes into this that I'm going to guess most of us aren't familiar with or even aware of. We just know that this meets a temporal need, right? Our hunger. And so we go out and we buy it. Now imagine if this bread represented Christ. Think about that for a moment. If this was actually the bread of life, if this bread was Christ, there'd be a lot of ingredients that made up that bread as well. Some of the ingredients in that bread would be love, grace, forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, and on and on. But there would also be some ingredients in there that weren't too inviting to us. Suffering, sacrifice, service, and humility. But in order for us to fully know Jesus, we have to understand all that is entailed in this loaf of bread. And when we know all that's entailed, the good stuff that's easy and the hard stuff, it can be extremely tempting for us to look at this and say, you know what, Jesus? Thanks, but no thanks. I like some of the benefits I don't want that hard stuff. You see, I like, I like holding on to hurt from people that have wronged me. I don't like forgiving people. That's too humbling. That's embarrassing. I don't like that. You know what? I don't really like this sacrifice and suffering stuff. I don't have much margin in my life to be inconvenienced by needy people. I just don't have time for it. I don't have time to be distracted or to be annoyed by people who need my help. So thank you, God, but no thanks. This bread is simply too demanding for me to partake in. And there have been times in my life where Jesus, you know, provided for me in times of need with difficult circumstances. He brought friends into my life when I was lonely and isolated. And he kind of gave me enough. It was just enough for me to keep the faith while not fully, you know, partaking in the bread You see, I love the benefits of Jesus. Who doesn't love the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy and the acceptance and the promise of eternal hope? 
But I didn't want much to do with the suffering or the sacrifice or the humility or the service. But to take on his flesh means to die to my flesh, to die to your flesh. And you know what? Dying kind of sucks. It feels like dying. Right? Nobody wants that or desires that. But it's only when we take on his flesh in exchange for our own that we begin to taste his goodness. We begin to taste how good he is. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller had this to say about this passage. We should have a slide. He said, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he says, I am God made breakable for you. Jesus is the bread of life because bread is meant to be broken. Have you ever thought about that? Bread is meant to be cut, ripped apart, and broken. Nobody takes a full loaf of bread and just starts shoving it in their mouth, right? Without slicing it. I mean, maybe some of you do. Without slicing it and dicing it first, right? Jesus' life was cut and literally ripped apart and broken for our behalf. And it's the same that goes for us if we're going to follow him. Our lives will be cut and ripped apart and broken for other people so that they may know him. We can't come to Jesus just for the benefits. I've been guilty of that. Just for the hope and the peace and the forgiveness. We also get the suffering and the humility and the sacrifice as well. There's no other way. We can't have one without the other. And it's so crucial for us to remember that in this passage, Jesus is saying that I am the bread of life, not just to people who know they're hungry. There are some people that I know in my life, they're fully aware of how messed up they are. Fully aware. Some of you are going, yep. You're aware of how broken you are, how much you need a Savior every single day. But then there are a lot of people in this world who think they're doing just fine. And so their perceived need for Christ is pretty small. And we as Christians, and I'm speaking for myself, if things are going fairly well, there's no major illness in your family, work's going pretty well, you're heading in a good direction, we can kind of just put life on cruise control and just coast. Without being aware of how desperately we need God, without being attentive of what it is he's trying to speak to us, Even when life is going pretty well, we can often miss it. And Jesus' main objective is to change our hearts. It's not to make us comfortable or happy or make us feel good. His purpose is not to make you feel good. Jesus is not concerned with how comfortable your life is or the life that you're trying to create right now. What he cares about and what he wants to know is this. Do you want me? Do you really want me? Do you want to partake in my love and sacrifice, my joy and suffering? I am all that you could ever possibly desire. Do you want me? Do you trust that to be true? Now let's look again just real quickly at some of the later part of the story in John chapter 6, verses 48 through 51. Dive into this a little deeper. It should be page 972, uh, if you put your Bible away. 
John 6, starting in verse 48. He says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, there's so much contained in these few verses. We could literally spend days on these and barely scratch the surface of what Jesus is saying. But verse 51, if you look look at that again, is so key. He says, I am the living bread, and this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus gave his flesh in order to kill our flesh. And that is so awesome yet difficult to wrap our minds around. When we believe and trust in who Jesus is and what he's done, he takes on our flesh. Our flesh becomes his flesh. So anything that you desired, anything that you were about before Christ has been replaced with his flesh. A flesh that is made up of love and grace and suffering and peace and joy and humility. Jesus said, whoever eats this bread, my flesh will live forever. And all throughout the Bible, we find passages that talk about this idea of just eating God's flesh, of devouring God's word, of consuming God's word. We find it all throughout the Bible. Um, I I was able to put together three or four verses here that really drive this home that I want to share. This is Jeremiah. It says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Peter says, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, Psalms, probably David, he says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then this is Jesus. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's not just a metaphor. He's literally saying, I am life. I am everything that you need or could possibly want or desire. I am life. Do you want me? Do you want me? And guys, the big question we're really wrestling with as we dive into this is this. What's your source of satisfaction? Think about that. What's your source of satisfaction? Where or what do you turn to in order to be satisfied? There have been many things in my life, I'll just be real, that I have turned to in hopes that it would somehow fulfill me and satisfy me. It seems there's always something or someone that I'm hoping can affirm me, Um, somehow take away all the aches and pains beneath the surface of my life. And the person that I'm most guilty of doing that to is my wife, Sarah. I remember over five years ago before we were married, so this would have been about six years ago, and 
our wedding date was approaching, I thought, oh, baby, this is it. I'm getting married. Life's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. She's going to fulfill me. Um, it's going to be amazing. Finally, I get to start living, right? Because I remember I had these conversations with friends who would tell me, oh, gosh, it's just so awesome. I saw all these social media posts about how incredible their spouse was, you know, day 476 of praising my spouse. My spouse affirms me. They just complete me. You know what? But nobody, nobody told me how freaking hard marriage could be. Nobody told me that marriage can be like a semi-truck that just drives straight through your heart, right, and rips it out and completely rocks your world. Nobody told me that. Nobody's posting about that. And I quickly learned that She's got a lot of flaws. <laughs> and she learned that I was pretty messed up too, right? Man, it didn't take long to realize she's not Jesus. She's not going to be able to affirm me in the deepest ways that I long for. She can't take away my pain from my past that I've been carrying for 20-something years. She can't meet every physical, emotional, and spiritual need that I would like for her to meet. Only he can do that. So I want to propose a question to you guys. I was just honest, and I want you guys to be honest about yourself. So let's give some feedback. So here it is. At different points in your life, as you reflect back right now on your life, what were you trying to find satisfaction in? What were some of the broken wells that you would continually turn to in order to be satisfied? Or maybe what's something right now in your life that you're turning to apart from Christ, hoping that it's going to satisfy you? So the floor's open. Let's talk about ourselves, not the person next to us and how they're running to everything else, right? The floor's open. Let's be honest. What have you turned to falsely believing that it was going to satisfy you? Come on. I'll start calling people out. Yes. Knowledge, having answers. Okay. Being right. Okay. Yeah, she said for her it was just being right or having the knowledge, thinking that that was going to satisfy somehow. Okay. Good. What else? Whoa, somebody way in the back. Okay. Yeah. She said she has an obsession with perfection, thinking that if she had her life all together, and somehow that would, that would be it. That would do it. That'd satisfy. What else? Yes, Reen. Money, dope, and fame. Okay. Is that it? <laughs> money, dope, and fame. Man, okay. I know money. That, boy, that's got me for sure. That's good. What else? Yes. Sure, yeah, he said alcohol, for sure. I've seen that many, many times. What else? Phil. Athletics, competition, and power. Man, that hit some big ones, yeah. Okay. Sure, yeah. Thinking if you can succeed at work and make more money, that's it, man. You're going to be satisfied. Sure. Anyone else? 
What's that? Oh, children, yeah. How many parents are guilty of that one? Thinking their kids can satisfy us, good. Is that it? Now, I just want to be real with you guys for a moment. You know, we can come here every week and do this thing. 10.30 every Sunday, we're going to be here. Unless Snowbageddon happens or some tornado comes and destroys our city, 10.30, we're going to be here, 2101 Jewel Street. You can sing with us every week. You can listen to the message. But it doesn't mean you're changing. And it's possible to set through a church service every Sunday for 50 years but it doesn't mean that you've had a change of heart. You can know every word in this book, the Bible, and you can have all the head knowledge, but until you experience Jesus for yourself, all that stuff is just going to be temporal fillings just to get you through maybe that day or that afternoon. You might feel good at church or be encouraged, but you will never know satisfaction apart from knowing him. You can believe in the good things God promises us, right? We talked about what this bread encompasses, the benefits, right? You can believe the good things, the peace, the hope, the joy, and the love. But until you partake in the totality of the bread, you will never understand what it means to be one with Christ. Until you're willing to sacrifice and suffer For someone else, you'll never understand what it means to carry another's burden and in doing so receive the comfort that only Christ can give. You'll never be able to delight in your suffering because it's often in our weakest moments that we realize and discover how he is the true source of our strength, not when life is going well for us. And it's when we're aware of our brokenness That God is able to lift us up and stand us firm. And we can walk confidently through life knowing that nothing can separate us from his love. A true encounter with Christ is a well that can be tapped into at all times. He's always present. He always wants to be with us. What good father doesn't want to spend time And know their children. He eagerly awaits to be with you. To know you. For you to know him. And he desires for you to simply be transformed. Just a little bit more each day. To better reflect him. To a hurting world. And I'm not sure. Pastor Bob could have given me a better passage this morning. To set up our time of communion. Here in a minute, we're going to have the opportunity to partake in the bread of life. We have the opportunity to take on his flesh and blood in exchange for our own. His body, his flesh, his bread was meant to be broken and poured out for others. So when we come forward today and take communion, not only are we acknowledging, yes, we believe it to be true, what you did for us, but we are also identifying with Christ saying, just as you were poured out and broken for others, we are willing to do the same so that others may know you for the life of the world. And I'm going to give you guys a couple minutes of silence, and I want you to use that time to reflect on where your heart is with Christ. Where is your heart right now with Christ?
Are you just following Jesus for the benefits? Are you willing to engage in the battle of souls through suffering and sacrifice? What is it right now that you're looking to in life to somehow satisfy you? Take some time to wrestle with those questions. I'm going to pray for us, and after a little bit of silence, the ushers will dismiss you, and you can come forward, just take a piece of the bread, and dip it in the juice. And we also have uh, gluten-free options as well if you need that. Let's pray together. God, you are so good. Would you forgive us, forgive me, God, of turning to so many other people and other things, God, thinking that they were somehow going to be life to me. That they were going to somehow fulfill us, satisfy us, heal our deep pains. God, you're asking all of us, do you want me? God, we do. We do, God. God, we want to take on the full totality of the bread of life. We want all the benefits, but we, we want to be people, God, our desires to be people who are willing to engage in the battle for others, God, that will require the hard parts of the ingredients of the bread of life as well, the suffering and the humility, God, and the sacrifice, God, so that others may know you. God, break our hearts, Lord, for what you're passionate about, God, for what you care about in life, not our comfort or our own personal happiness or wealth, God. God, you know what every single one of us need right now during this time. I pray that you would just speak to us and just help us to be open.